Welcome to this episode of The Trainer Feed. We are your hosts. My name is Angel Sanchez. We have Mr. Jacques Delogere. What's going on, everyone? Oh, what's going on? What's going on, everyone? <laughs> and Mr. David Bravo. What's up? There we go. How are you guys doing today? Oh, my God. We're good. No complaints here, honest. Actually, uh, let me complain about the snow. No, no, no. <laughs> Yo, stop bitching about the snow, right. bro. Was, someone at work tomorrow's like, the worst day. Yeah, someone at work was like, "You just an old man. You love to complain." I was like, "Yeah, pretty much." Oh shit! Nah, he was good. He was joking to me. He was funny though, but he's probably pretty serious. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're good, Angel. I am doing well. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Hundred percent all round. Who do we got today? Today we have uh, a fellow member of the Ten Thousand family. Uh, trainer josh evans and gang connect with this guy years ago through instagram um and we've kind of i picked his brain than anything but i know he was down in florida for a little bit i think a little bit in puerto rico i think he's back in new york he's bounced around a lot and has has always had really good content so this guy is we're really excited to have him on and um really fast uh fascinated i mean i will be fascinated to hear what he has to say about his journey because it's quite it's been quite the journey so Without further ado, let's uh, let's bring him on. Josh, man, what's up? How you doing, brother? Hey, how you, you doing? Right? Hey, how's it going? How I you think your audio, your audio is going to be the best one here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared, man. Yeah, because um, I know you've had... I mean, first of all, you're doing well, right? Like, everything's good in life right now? Yeah, everything's great. Back here in yeah. upstate New York, so, you know, trying That's to get right. used to the cold again. Oh, man. So Are you guys going to get hit with the storm, too? I don't know if we're supposed to or not. It's supposed to be like 45, 50 here on uh, like Tuesdays. So. Oh, shit. So hopefully okay. you're going to miss it. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I work inside all day anyway, so it's not, <laughs> there's not much to do up here. Yeah. What <laughs> part of upstate you went? Uh, I'm in like, I'm in uh, Mohawk Valley area, like near Utica. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm from like, I'm from the Thousand Islands, like near Canada originally. Hmm. Frozen lakes, perfect. That was I've been thinking about it so much recently about them. There was one thing I would change about my childhood. I'd live somewhere cold enough to play on the lakes, playing hockey. But mm-hmm. I mean, did that is that something, something you ever did or uh, I used to like skate out on the ice. We used to have like an outdoor hockey rink in my hometown. Um, but awesome. I stopped playing hockey at a young age. It was too expensive, you know. It's so. not as cheap, it's not a cheap sport. No, that's for sure. No, no but my, my uncle's like one of the one of the head directors for uh, USA women's hockey, actually. No way, really. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. He Damn, was uh, the head coach at our school for like 30 years. We had like a top top five pro. We had a couple of guys go to the NHL. Wow, I have to ask you who those guys are because I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the NHL. But um, for our listeners who don't know much about who you are, where you've been, can you tell us a, a brief history about yourself and a brief training history? Uh, yeah. So my name's Josh Evans. I'm an online fitness coach, predominantly dealing with people, uh, busy parents and professionals who are looking to drop a little bit of extra weight, establish very healthy habits for themselves that are, you know, easy to do in a, a little bit of time. And I've been, you know, in fitness for about 12 years now, a little over 12 years. I used to be a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I interned at Syracuse where I did my undergrad. Uh, go orange and uh my did my graduate work at Florida Atlantic University in Boca I then moved on to become one of the top 50 trainers at Equinox for two out of the three years I was there and then in 2018 started my own uh, in-person and online business in 2019. Nice because you 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 and, and that Equinox was in Miami correct? Yeah I was on South Beach for nine years. Nine years? Yeah. How was, how was the experience of training in that climate in the, I mean, you're from New York, you know, you're from New York state, you know, how it is during the winter, you get the, the, the few months of summer to walk outside, but Miami being one more year, like how was that experience of training in that kind of climate? I was, a, it was the best man. Honestly, it was a, one of the best experiences I could have had. I, I think first off, you know, I got, I've been very lucky in my career, right? I've been able, when I was in strength and conditioning, I learned from some of the best trained coaches in the country. And then when I get to Equinox, I was working with, you know, some people who I consider to be, you know, some of the top coaches in Miami, for sure, if not the entire country, uh, in terms of their work ethic and their knowledge base. So it was really nice to be able to, you know, learn from them and, and broaden my, my horizons in terms of, you know, what was available in my toolbox, 
I come from obviously like a sports performance background. So a lot of Olympic lifting, some powerlifting in there, um, you know, very heavy plyometric base, but a, a ton of, you know, sports specific stuff. Uh, obviously that's very different when you're working with people who are, you know, busy professionals in their forties and fifties, right. Who right. fly around on planes a lot, sit in office meetings for hours and hours on end. And it was a difficult transition for me. And I don't necessarily think I would be as successful as I have gotten today. If it weren't for those people telling me like, listen, sometimes you got to slow down a little bit. You have to reel in your expectations, right? When you work with athletes, you start to understand that everything is a, a really well-oiled machine, right? And you have very specific timetables in which you have to accomplish things, right? You have your preseason, you have the season, then you have, you know, the off season, and then you're right back into preseason, right? So everything is very structured. When you talk about people in their forties and fifties, things get chaotic real quickly, right? So mm. you have to be a lot more flexible and a lot less rigid on what your expectations are not necessarily the standards that you set, but the expectations on what the, what the results are going to be and be able to move and shift right with their schedules and their timetables and everything, you know? So uh, that was a big transition for me, but working in Miami was great. Miami's, you know, been rated the number one healthy city in, in the country for, you know, a few years now. And it's obviously sunny there. It's very aesthetically driven. Right. So mm. um, there's a lot of pressure on you to look good and, and to, you know, be in, in tip top shape, but, you know, I couldn't have imagined getting through my young adult years anywhere else. Right. It's like a, like, the, like a lot the of ultimate, experience, the ultimate playground there, you know, everything that I wanted to do, I could do in Miami and yeah. Now being back in upstate New York, I'm fine. Like living that country lifestyle. You've, you've lived it. You've done it. You're, you're in nine years. I didn't realize you were down there that long. Nine mm, years. Almost nine years. Yeah. Did you feel pressure to, to be in top tip shape because of that aesthetics there or. Uh, I mean, I've never really been aesthetically driven, right? Like it's always been sports performance. And then I, I got it pretty competitive in powerlifting for a little while there. Um, so for me, like I cared more about my performance than I did the aesthetics, but Definitely towards the end of my time there, it, it was, there was a decent amount of, you know, internal pressure for me being mm. like, oh my God, all these people around me have, you know, are shredded and have six packs like all year long, not necessarily saying that that's what you should be attaining, you know, or, or shooting for. And the I'm not there. Saying, right. And I'm not saying that they necessarily did it in the healthiest way. Right. I mean, I, they say like New York is a city that never sleeps. Miami is a hundred percent the city that never sleeps. Right. So how people are really getting those aesthetics, you know, mm. are, are, you know, a little questionable, but, yeah. uh, the, the pressure was definitely there, but it, again, it, it really just drove me like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to find, cause I was busy, you know? So I had to find ways to be a lot more efficient with my time. You know, I was training 10 to 14 people every day, you yeah, know, every day for, for what I started working at Equinox in 2015. So from 2015 to 20, uh, 2020 for five years, I was doing, you know, 10 plus sessions every day. Wow. It's a lot. Franken, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask a little bit about, uh, you spoke about some of your collegiate experience and how you had to mm -hmm. kind of manage your expectations when training gen pop. Um, how does that uh, experience working with collegiate athletes aside from that um, how does that shape your training style like not necessarily like what you expect from the clients but if there's a way that you train with that background uh, in mind that's a great question uh, I really think I get my like no I can I swear on this podcast is that cool yeah please all right I, I really get my listen I swear like a sailor so I always have to ask because I you never know um but I, I think I really got my like very direct, no bullshit approach, right? I've always been a direct person. Like I'm not one of those like rah-rah cheerleader type of guys, you know, that are going to like scream at you while you're like dying on the treadmill. That's never been me, right? They're cheering you on while you vomit. Yeah. yeah. If you're one of those trainers, like good for you, right? I'm going to be the guy over there, like, you know, checking the boxes on the clipboard. And, you know, when I worked in, in collegiate athletics, like just blowing my whistle, telling you what to do. And then I expect you to do it. And, and that's it. Uh, so I think I really got like, I really honed in on my like no bullshit approach to and and how direct that I really wanted to be with my clients, right? When I started training Gen Pop, because when you're working with athletes, right? When I was at FAU, we had 21 collegiate varsity teams in one weight room, right? So from 
five thirty in the morning until eight at night, we were churning teams out with, I think we had an hour break from 12 to one. Other than that, teams were in and out all day, every day, Monday through Sunday. So you had to be on top of your stuff. And we were doing uh, a type of training called triphasic training, right? My boss, uh, Chuck Loby at the time, learned it from Cal Dietz who created triphasic training, which is like a very tempo intensive, you know, time oriented training system, right? Where everybody's on the move. We would have, you know, anywhere between 15 to 40 athletes just circling gyms. So, you know, getting in the wow. squat racks, getting out, doing plyometrics, doing mobility work, getting back in the squat racks, doing it all over again. Right. So everything was very tempo oriented and very time sensitive. So you had to be on top of your game, right? You had to have command of the room. You had to have command of yourself. You had to be, you know, very specific and very concise with what you wanted to tell people uh, and what you wanted to convey to them. Because if not, you, you were screwed. You were going to get lost in the mud, right? So being able to take that and then, you know, obviously moving into a much more intimate setting with one-on-one -on -one clients uh, was very beneficial for me because I didn't have to be loud but I could be very direct with them and I could get my point across. Right. And they could tell that I was very serious and very intent about what I wanted them to do without having to be like, you know, the cheerleader type person that I know that I, I I'm, I'm never going to be. Yeah. I think a lot of people get into um, personal training in a, like in a space where you're doing one-on-one -on -one and you're not sure like where your voice is and how you're going to respond to people um and some people have like this energy where they're just screaming at the person some people like cheer the person on even if what they're doing is not either as good of quality or it didn't meet your expectations um but for me it it's kind of good to know that there are other coaches out there who are kind of just like letting the person do uh giving the person the objective letting them either do it or fail at it and then kind of like recalibrate uh, because sometimes you get a lot of people who are just like talking their clients ears off while they're working and not giving them the time to do what they got to do which is probably another thing you you might have gotten used to or might have seen while uh training and too, in too many times too many times you know and and i'm not going to i don't want to really throw out a blanket statement but the majority of the times if you see trainers talking their clients ears off they're probably doing that in order to compensate for the fact that they don't know what they're talking about right like the trainers that i saw there was i would say equinox south beach the equinox i worked at right probably had the most turnover out of any equinox in the country to be honest right i probably saw in my three years of working there i probably saw at least 350 trainers come and go wow you know wow like a ton how many I mean, on the we, roster at once then as well? Like you're talking about like 20 30, people, 30, 30, what, 25 to 30, maybe, maybe a wow. little less, maybe, you know, as little as like 20, but you know, a ton of turnover. And he was always the guys just John, John, their oh, well, we're going to be working this and it's going to work your gastrocnemius. And then we're going to also be like hitting, you know, <laughs> all four heads of your quadricep and the three heads of your hamstring. And then, you know, it's like, dude, talk slower talk on their level. These people have no clue what you're talking about. They do not understand what the transverse abdominis is. They don't even know what the frontal plane means. Like, listen, you're going to take your right foot and you're going to move it right. You're going to yeah. then take your left foot and you're going to move it forward. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to stand still and I'm going to throw you this ball. You're going to catch it and throw it back to me. That's all That's I want it. you to do. Yeah. I think right? a lot of that has to do too with, I think, insecurities to some extent, right? It's like, 100%. you know, using the big words, just in trainers in general, using huge words that they think the client is like, oh my God, my guy knows everything. But it's like, no, just how about you be direct and just be like, okay, I want you to sit down and stand back up. Mm -hmm. Cool. What are we working your butt? Perfect. <laughs> That's it. Right. You know, I mean, you have, you do have some of the clients that are, you know, in the medical field that they do know those words, but they're at the gym to work out and try not to, you know, I've trained a lot of doctors. Yeah. None of them gave like, they don't very, care. One time I had, I've probably trained 15 doctors, like very, very intelligent people in Miami tops of their field. One time they're like, well, I had one client who said, Oh, I'd like you to talk to me in like scientific terms. You know? oh, wow. And that was because he was fucking with me. Not because he was like real serious about it. You know, other yeah. than that, they're like, dude, what do you just tell me what you want me to do? <laughs> and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I don't, you don't, I'm already paying you, you know, $30,000 a year at that time to train with you. Like you don't need to prove to me how smart you are. 
right? Just get me the results I want. Get me in this gym and out of here so I can go live my life, right? I feel like that's what <laughs> yeah. most people don't care. If you're a trainer, most people don't care about how smart you are, right? They want to get in the gym. They want to get a good workout and they don't want to hear about politics, right? I've been there. I've made mistakes on that in the past, right? They don't want to hear, for the most part, they don't want to hear about your personal problems, right? And they want to get a good workout in. They want to lose some weight. They want to get a little stronger. They want to feel better about themselves. And then they want to go out and have fun with their friends. They want to go to dinner with their boyfriends or girlfriends. Like they don't care about your problems. They don't care about how smart you are. They don't care about any of that stuff. Get them in, get them a good workout, get them out, keep them healthy. You know? Yeah. Who is your favorite uh, population to train? And whether that's like, uh, elderly population or geriatric population, uh, special populations, uh, you know, athletes or, you know, teenagers, like, do you have a special population that you really love to train or a favorite one that you love to train? Uh, to be honest, I think they all have a special place in my heart, right? Like when I trained athletes, it was great. Right. I definitely like, that was a chapter in my life where like, I really felt I needed to be training athletes, right. Very competitive people you know, all they were focused on, right. was like one singular goal of playing their sport better. My favorite athletes to train were the, you know, I worked mainly with like, I worked with football and I worked with the bigger sports, but the smaller sports were my favorite, right? Like men's tennis and men's golf were my favorite athletes to train football players. I obviously work hard men's tennis and men's. I mean, some of those kids are squatting 500 plus pounds, you know, as a golfer, like incredible strength. Right. And they, you know, were the early, they were the early guys, like football got the good times. They were up training at five 30 in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. So they were really cool to train. Um, and then once I got into one-on-one -on -one training, like I, I honestly, obviously everybody has like clients that they, they don't like right early on in their career, but I was blessed enough where I got pretty busy early on where I could start being much more selective with my clients. And my retention rate was really high. I probably, I had the same you know, 10 to 15 clients pretty much for the entire time I was in South beach, you know, for the most part, give or take a few, um, you know, for six plus years, I trained the same, you know, really 10 standard people. So they've really became family to me, you know, and, uh, obviously being in South beach, you are and and when people are paying that kind of price point, you're, they're not, you know, they're not your run of the mill people, right. We're talking about people who make millions of dollars a year, if not billions. So to be able to pick their brains and really learn how like they got successful and how they live their lifestyles. Right. Which to be honest, you think like these people would be flashing and some were, but a lot lived a, quite a modest lifestyle, you know, which has been very eye opening to me in terms of like how to handle success. Once I, if, if, and when I ever get to that point where I'm making multi-million dollar, you know, tons like F you money. Right. Um, so just, just to really like get to know those guys, I think that that's really been the, my favorite, my favorite people to work with are the people that I work with in South Beach though, because you know, they're family to me now. They saw me grow up from a 25 year, 23 year old kid to, you know, being a 30 year old man. Like I was a baby. I was a baby. I feel so bad for them when they started working with me, but you know, cause I was a child. I was such a little boy, but now, you know, being 30 and uh, you know, they get to see me grow and they, they help me understand things that you know I'm, I'm very appreciative of to this day so nice um i wanted to ask the mentality when it comes to training in the collegiate level uh slash elite um what do you think the mentality is or what's the common denominator that comes with training those types of athletes in terms of nutrition in terms of motivation in terms of what it is that they're you know going for daily uh I mean, motivation, right. Is, is there because they, you know, they have to be there. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, don't come to your workout and I'll tell your coach. And then we got problems, right. And then you're gone. Um, the biggest thing I would say, sorry, let me take a drink. Real quick. Uh, the biggest thing I would say would be, uh, you know, effort, right? Like, uh, obviously you have 5% of the athletes, right. That are just absolute freaks, right. You tell them to do anything. They're going to, you know, they don't need to train at the collegiate level, they're just going to, they need to get a little older, right? They come in at 17, 18 years old. They basically need to let puberty continue to do its work. And then they're on to, you know, the NFL, like the Chandler Jones types of guys, right? Who play for, got drafted by the Patriots. Now it's with the Cardinals. He was at Syracuse when I was there. Uh, good friends with him and his brother. Um, 
you know, those types of guys are going to be, they're going to be freaks, right? Like the Jones brothers are well known, right? You know, Arthur played for the Colts and played for Baltimore, won a Super Bowl. Chandler's won a Super Bowl with New England, is now the all-time sack leader for the Cardinals. And John Jones, you know, is one of the best UFC players of all time. Like those types of guys, all they need to do is get a little bit older on their own and, and they're going to be freaks, right? Then you have, you know, the majority of kids who are going to be like borderline starters or starters, but like really put forth a ton of effort, you know, and to see those kids like work so hard, you know, up early, training their butts off, you know, doing all of the right things, going to class, sitting in the front rows, you know, cause I would occasionally have to go do a class check every now and then, right? Like you see them in there, they're, you know, they're a part of the community. They're doing community service. They're, you know, being a student and being an athlete, right? Which is two full-time jobs. Anyone that's gone to college, right? And played in a collegiate sport, you know, like sports is a, a full-time job and a half. And then you have to also be a student and also be, you know, within the community doing community service and, and all these other things. Like, you know, I give those guys a lot of credit, but most of the success comes from effort, right? Effort. Even with general population, it's all about effort yeah. and being consistent, right? If I get an 18 year old kid in, you know, who can't squat happened all the time, even in football, right? You think football players would come in there. You're going to be playing division one. Don't know how to squat, right? Like the worst squats I've ever seen in my entire life. And worse than some of my gen pop, to be honest, clients. And four years later, they're squatting 600 pounds and, you know, uh, getting drafted in the, in the fourth round by the New Orleans Saints to play defensive end. And then eventually, you know, going on to sign a major contract with the Cincinnati Bengals, one of my, uh, one of my former athletes, Trey Hendrickson, a huge DN for the Bengals now. And uh, big game this weekend. Yeah, big game, big game. Ho hopefully they win. I, I'm, I always root for the underdog, you know. <laughs> Um, but you know, just to see the consistency, right. You go from four, four years ago at 18 years old, not being able to squat right with 135 in the bar correctly to then squatting over 600 pounds and getting drafted in the fourth round. Right. Like, you know, not, not even being a player and then yeah. becoming one of the all-time leading sack, sack leaders in conference USA history, you know, it's like pretty incredible. Do, do you think when you mentioned the, the kind of the, the freaks of nature, the, uh, the natural or whatever, quote unquote, natural athletes coming in, do you mm -hmm. think training sports specific is, and I guess in that, in that regard, or at least going to play the sport makes them better it, be, until they get to that stage where they're done growing? Or do, or do you think adding that weight or the, the, the weightlifting aspect of it plays a bigger role? I think, I mean, listen, if you want to get better at anything, right, you got to do that thing. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Like, it doesn't matter how much time you spend in the weight room. If you're a, if you're a wide receiver, right, for example, and you're not a great ca pass catcher or you don't run routes well, I don't care how much you squat. I don't care how much you deadlift. It doesn't matter because that's not what we're focused on, right? Like, you hitting a 500-pound deadlift, has no reflection of how you're going to actually perform on the field if you can't pass catch and you can't run routes, right? So do what you do first and foremost. And then obviously like adding in the strength training side of things will just help prepare your body and to be more resilient, right? Like you'll be much stronger. I mean, you start talking about getting to division one level football, for example. I mean, these guys are massive, massive. Right. Obviously, depending on what conference you play in, you know, a little different. I, when I was at Syracuse, we're in the Big East, not talking about the biggest guys, right? Compared to like the guys in the Big Ten or the SEC in terms of size. But we still had guys on our team, 6'6, you know, 330, like cornerbacks that were, you know, 215 balls of muscle at 6'2. Like, if you're not strong as a wide receiver and you're going up against a guy who's 215 of almost pure muscle, no fat on him, and 6'2, you're going to get bodied all day unless you're strong too. Right. Yeah. Like even, t even you look at people like, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill. Dude's got to be strong as hell. He's also happens to be the fastest guy I've ever seen in my entire life, but he's not big know. either. Right. He's, he could be more, he's, no, not he's not even six ten, I don't think. No, I don't think, uh, five ten. I think it might be about five ten, maybe five eight, but still, I mean, it doesn't matter. Cause you know, you got 40 plus inch vertical five ten apparently. But yeah, yeah, not not big. 
but a 40 inch, I bet you he's got close to a 40 inch vertical. Like that'll make you six ten in a heartbeat. And I, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He, he is a monster, that guy, you know, but even some like, okay, so you're a cornerback and you go up against DK Metcalf. Good like, luck. You're telling me you're going to be able to jam him at the line at like, you know, a buck 65 and you know, no leg strength, no hip power. Impossible. Impo- no. you, you, you know, you're gonna get thrown to the ground like a rag doll. Yeah, watching him match with Jalen Ramsey is always fun because he's very physical and he's a he's one of the bigger cornerbacks in the game I can think of. And when you those guys match up twice a year, he shuts him down too. Usually, from what That's I've not, seen, I think I think football is the ultimate team sport. It's also the best sport in the world to teach you the mental resiliency that you need for real life, right? Because I don't care what position you play, unless maybe you're the punter, the kicker, right? You're going to get punched in the face pretty much for play on, play in, play out for years on end for as long as you play, right? I know now as like a, uh, you know, a business, a small business owner, I feel like I got punched in the face every single day, right? Like there's a million things I could be doing every day and nothing is ever good enough for my standards, right? Like I'm, there's always something I could be improving on. I always feel like, like, oh, just, I'm getting beaten down, getting beaten down. But I know eventually, right. Just like I did when I was working in person, like you just got to stick with it. You got to keep working on your craft. And eventually one day, you know, you're, you're the guy, you know, smashing people theoretically my clients, but do you still have, um, uh, cause I know you had walked on when you were in Miami, you were on a podcast, sweat it out podcast. I listened to some of your episodes and the first ones I was really drawn to. And I was like, Oh, these guys got Brian Urlacher. I remember watching this guy. I remember you and, um, Anthony is Anthony, there was the, yep. right. It was the, mm-hmm. you know, the host on there and both you guys talking about, you know, really enjoying watching him play. And then, um, the other guy was with Miami, the running back, something Williams, Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. So yeah. legendary love, Ricky right. Williams. He was hilarious. He was so mm. funny. And yeah, how, um, like, has that connection with guys like that? Has that stemmed from meeting them when they were some of them training in college? And then do you, or was it living in Miami? Them being my, like the fact that, Oh, like I played in Miami for the Super Bowl and that Williams played for the dolphins. Like how did some of those connections come about or, Honestly, most of them through social media, right? Like I've never met Ricky Williams or Brian Urlacher in my life, but you know, we reached out to them on social media and said, Hey, do you guys want to come on our podcast? And they said, yeah, sure. No problem. Like pretty, pretty easily. Wow. Like you'd be surprised that you would be surprised at how nice people are. Right. Right. And and how much of an opportunity, if you put forth the work, right. And you actually provide a great product and, and you, you know, have something interesting to bring to the table, you'd be pretty surprised at how likely you are to get a yes when it comes to doing things like podcasts or or when it comes to you know wanting to do an instagram live with someone right because if you have a platform which obviously my old co-host anthony mendes is you know has a huge instagram platform uh mine is much smaller than his but still you know still pretty big i'll say that bad yeah it's not bad um you know you have you have some value that you're or you brought some value to people that you know, they can benefit from, right. And they can kind of, it's all about connection, right? Like social media, the word social is in there because it's, that's what it, that's what it is, right. You should be social. You should be connecting with other people. You should be, you know, teaching people and and giving them life lessons, right. If if that's what you want to do, obviously, if you want to just post booty pics and, you know, by all means, (laughs) whatever, you know, but if you want to actually like connect with people, the best way to do that is to, is to cross promote, right. You know, why I had no problem coming on your podcast. Like, okay, great. It's a great opportunity for me to get my message out to the people that listen to your podcast and to get some more exposure. Right. Plus also 100%. I can imagine I can bring some value to the people that are listening, you know? 100%. So when you just reach out to those people, it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, then let's let it ride. Right. Like, great. You know, I, the, the nice thing was we would always try to find people that had, uh, you know, products or stuff coming out. Like when we did, uh, when we had Ricky on, he was coming out with like an astrology app. I remember right? that. So yeah. That was pretty cool. You know, talking to him about that. Obviously I used to, I used to smoke a ton of weed. So like, I was obviously like a huge Ricky Williams fan back in the day. So like, <laughs> he was pretty open. Was he? Yeah. About it. Yeah, to- totally. And I, I actually, the cool thing was, is I had, uh, 
I had watched an interview that he had did with someone else and they were talking about the fact that he didn't even smoke weed until college. You know, Wild. so I was like, well, you, you're like the biggest, you know, stoner in all of athletics, you know, other than, I think Mike Tyson maybe took, has taken the reins nowadays. Yeah. There's one other, there's one other NFL player as well that would admit, do you know who I'm talking about? I think he was a running back also. Uh, we had the, we had a guy on who was the, uh, uh, like a second stringer with the Dolphins. I can't remember miles. I have to, I have to look it up. I know there was someone else as well that would, uh, we had a couple of people on. We had, uh, we had, uh, um, we had, jeez, uh, that's going to bother the hell out of me. Uh, we had Wes Saunders on. He was like a tight end for the Colts and for the Steelers for a little while. Uh, we had Miles, uh, Miles Gaskin. He was a uh, yeah, I remember Gaskin. Nice. Um, yeah, he was a running back for the for the Dolphins at the time. Uh, we've had a couple. We had uh, Langston Galloway, who was like a power forward for the Detroit the Pistons. No, oh no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of different different sport. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we've had a, a bunch of athletes on. I mean, obviously, like I, you know, I worked in college athletics, so. Uh, it's, it's so Do you train any of your current people using any of the college athletic methods? No, no. almost none. Almost none. Okay. You know, they're not. They're not. How about the weekend warriors? No. <laughs> no. You know, we focus a lot on mobility. To be honest, like, yeah. right, you know, I would say I, I really focus on short you know, very powerful workouts, right. For people like get, get right to the, like I said, I, I take a no bullshit approach. So, mm-hmm. um, get right to the point, do what you need to do. You know, the big thing, this is the problem that I feel like, and I think, thank you for asking the question. This is the problem that I feel like most people have when they talk about f- being fit, right. And doing workouts is that they see people like LeBron or they see people like Brian or lacquer, right. And they go, Oh, he's doing those workouts. Like, look at how awesome LeBron looks like he's very athletic and, you know, can block someone from half court. I want to be able to do that. I'm going to do the same workouts LeBron does. Like, well, you're not LeBron. You're not LeBron. <laughs> you're not LeBron. You will. I'm sorry if this is going to hurt your feelings. You will never be LeBron. LeBron is one of the most gifted athletes I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. 6'10, moves like a gazelle, hops like a bunny. Like, you're not ever going to be him. You can't even touch your toes. So, Let's work on getting you to touch your toes, right? Let's work on getting you some more ankle mobility. Let's work on getting you to lose some weight, right? So that you can be, so that, you know, if LeBron's here at 150% athleticism, you know, most people are at about 7%, right? If we're going on that scale, let's get you up to 15% athleticism, right? By doing those things, like I said, losing some weight you know, making better choices, getting you a little stronger, making you more mobile, right? Talking about sleep. Let's do those things that are going to make you, you know, go get three to 10% more athleticism, right? So that you can have a better quality life, right? And stop worrying about what LeBron's doing, right? What LeBron does has no impact on what you should be doing. Or let's get, let's get you playing pickup ball in the park first. Listen, I've been training since I was 14 years old. So we're talking, you know what, at least over half of my life, I've been, you know, in a weight room Mm -hmm. and for over third of a third of my life, I've only been in a weight room or around weights. Like that's, that's all I've done since 2009, right? Is focus on weightlifting essentially. I have never once tried to train like LeBron James, right? Like I rarely ever even did the workouts that my athletes did. Why? Because I'm not playing college football. I'm not playing collegiate tennis. Like I had other interests, right? I had other things. Like I wasn't as gifted as them. I have hip mobility problems, right? My ankles suck. So what do I focus on? I focus on getting better ankle mobility. I focus on working on my hip mobility. You know, I love using kettlebells. I don't use a lot of kettlebells with my athletes because it takes a lot of time to get, you know, accustomed to using kettlebells and I don't have a lot of time with them, you know? So we need to stop as a fitness industry trying to put square pegs through round holes, right? And try to and and stop trying to mimic what other people are doing because what other people are doing should have no impact or should have no, you know, say on what you're doing because everybody is different, yeah. right? Everybody is different. Would you say that to any like former collegiate athletes? For example, 100%. I had a, I had a client once who was uh, played soccer for Delaware. Uh, and he came and 
you know, the first thing it's, I asked him, what are you, what have you been doing? And, you know, all the same college workouts. And this guy was I don't know, like 10, 12 years out of, out of college. And he still wanted to do it. And I think it, it was hard for me to try to get him to, uh, I think, realize that, you know, maybe you can't do any of those things anymore because of any injuries that you've sustained. You know, he played soccer, so his ankle mobility was garbage, you know, at least in the beginning, because you're kicking a ball like crazy all the time. You know, how would you try to get that message across to any former athlete? Uh, well, I, it's not necessarily that I think that they can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if they could do it before, they can, you know, m- unless they have some traumatic injury, right? They yeah. could probably do it again. But, okay, so you were at point B, right? You were at 100 and 100% athleticism. Let's say you were, you know, top collegiate athlete in whatever division you played in. You know, over time, the wear and tear of you, you know, doing very repetitive things over time, right, has taken you from that 100% athleticism because that's what sports are, right? They're just repetitive motions, patterns over and over and over and over again, especially the higher the level you get, the more repetitive the motion becomes, right? Because you become more specialized. It's a skill, you know, right? So because of that increase in repetitive motion and in, in the, in the consistency that you've been doing those patterns at, you have, you know, unfortunately, you know, molded your body in a way that is not sustainable for daily human function, right? If you're a pitcher, was the the most, you know, we'll use the soccer example, right? Most soccer players have severe ankle injuries. Okay, well, what does that do? That unfortunately, most of the time, unless you're lucky, decreases your ability to have mobility in your ankle. Well, what problems are you going to have later on in life? Well, you're going to have knee problems, right? Because if your ankle's not mobile, your stable knee joint's going to need to be more mobile or the force is going to go in there, right? Which is going to cause problems. You're going to have hip problems probably, right? That's going to cause low back issues, right? Which is probably going to stem into shoulder issues and, and up the chain and into your neck, right? So if all of that occurred or even some of that occurred, right? You're no longer 100% athletic or you're not at that 100% level. You're probably more at 70. Well, if we just work on your ankle mobility again, right? If we just work on your hip mobility and we get you back to 80%. So now instead of you not being able to play soccer anymore, now we can get you back on the pitch, right? Now you can at least go play with your friends, right? You can't play at all. If we work on your ankle mobility because your ankle mobility sucks, now you can start playing again. Well, isn't that better than not playing at all and feeling like shit, right? So I want you to be able to do the things that you want to do. That's my job as your coach is to be there to give you the necessary tools in, in, in programs necessary so that if whatever you want to go and do in the real world, you can go and do, right? You want to go and golf 18 rounds every day, all summer long, like my girlfriend's dad does. I need to make sure that you know how to control your rotation, right? You have to have adequate hip power, right? You have to have strong, durable legs. You have to have mobility through your thoracic spine. You have to have mobility through your shoulders. Well, I help her dad, you know, with his stuff in the wintertime. So that, I mean, I'm not kidding you every morning before he goes to work in the summertime, he goes and at least plays nine holes. Yes. And he's, you know, in his fifties now, but the dude's a beast still, you know, can vomit two fifty plus. So it's, it's just about helping people get a little better so that they can get back to doing what they want to do. Right. That would be my, my biggest piece of advice for any trainer listening. Like our clients are not, I know I'm going on kind of a tangent here. Our clients are not coming to us to become weightlifters unless they are right. But most of the time they're not, they're coming to us so that we can solve their problems so that they can go out and live their life how they want to go live it. Right. I deal with a lot of active people that like to hike and paddleboard and kayak and play with their kids. They're not coming to me so that they can get better at a kettlebell swing. Right. Or so that they can learn how to use like so that they can become the best kettlebell athlete. They're coming to me so that I can solve their problems so that they can go play with their kids and they can go hike and they can go kayak, right? More often without feeling like shit. So I need to do things that are going to help them go and do that. That answer your question? Yeah. Another question that, um, because that that brought up a lot of things. And I think one of our uh, previous episodes actually touched on that a little bit where we were talking about like movement patterns and how like maybe clients like, uh, maybe they don't like a movement pattern. They want to stray away from it. And then like as coaches, we have to decide like, are we going to side 
with one movement pattern over the other and things like that. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that. So it's, I'm, I'm happy that you touched on that point because that is the biggest distinction I think that I've made as a coach um, when coming into training, because I think when you first start, you're around people and people are focusing on like movement, movement, movement. And then you have to actually like take a pause, listen to the client and say like, client wants to play with their kids again. You know, does it really have to form around a back squat or a deadlift or can it focus around some groundwork, you know, maybe some core work, things like that. Um, but anyway, so I'm, gl I'm glad that you touched on that. Uh, but I did want to kind of like round things out and I wanted to ask about uh, the fit, uh, the future of the fitness industry for you. So where do you feel, um, what do you want your impact to be on the fitness industry? I think we all as, as coaches have our own sort of ideas as what we want to do. Um, some people are just in it for a short stint, just want to hit it and quit it. Some people are in it for a longer haul. Some people want to focus on like, you know, uh, having a bigger impact when it comes to athletics, having a bigger impact when it comes to people feeling comfortable in their bodies, ha um, you know, things like that. So I just want to pitch it towards you. Uh, what do you want your impact on the fitness industry to be? This is a multi-point statement, okay? First off, I want people to understand that they are more than capable to do what they want to go and do, right? They're not broken, regardless of what most people will tell you. And this is the big problem that I, I find in the fitness industry nowadays is the fear mongering that is going on, right? The lies that are being spewed by people in our industry in order to get people to buy their products, right? Like, I don't know if, why, but nowadays, like this whole attack on diets, that you see on social media blows my mind, right? Oh, diets are bad. No, they're not. Diets are a physiological adaptation, right? When you eat less calories than you're burning, right? You're in a diet. When you intentionally modify your food intake, you're on a diet, right? Maybe you're in a calorie surplus. Maybe you're in a calorie deficit. Regardless, if you're intentionally modifying what you're eating, you're on a diet. It's not good or bad. It's just physiology that if you eat more calories than you lose or than you burn, you're going to gain weight. And if you do the opposite and you eat less calories than you burn, then you're going to lose weight, right? Diets are not bad. The way we talk about diets are bad. The expectations that we put around diets are bad, right? That's just an example. So I want people to understand that they're not broken, right? That they, they aren't fucked and that they can make a, a positive change in their life if they just put forth consistent effort, right? And that they find quality information that they can, again, be consistent with because I don't care what diet you do. I don't care what workout program you do. I don't care what coach you're with. The most important thing is that you're happy and that you can stay consistent with what you're doing so that you can eventually see the results that you want, right? Because most people are not happy and they're not consistent and they don't see the results they want. So that's number one. Two, I want them to understand that that's a, lot more, that's a lot more simple to accomplish than they truly believe, right? You don't need $500 juice cleanses. You don't need, you know, a sick at-home gym. You don't need $150 a month gym membership. You, you know, you don't need to get meal plans sent to you from, you know, wherever. You can cook at home 15 minutes to 20 minutes to cook your own meals at home. You can work out at home doing bodyweight exercises or kettlebell exercises or steel mace, whatever it is. You can do those things for 30 to 45 minutes, three to four times a week. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's a lot easier than you think it is, right? The hardest part is about be, is being consistent, right? And then thirdly would be to, you know, help as many people as I can. You know, I want to help the right type of people, right? I want to help people that want to be helped. But I want to make sure that the majority of people that I interact with leave having a conversation with me with one piece of, you know, one thing that they can, you know, then go and implement into their lives. Right. So just to kind of clarify that, you know, you're not, if you're listening to this and, and you know, you're thinking about making a change with your life, you're not broken. Right. Regardless of what people tell you, you're not broken. I don't care what comp compensations you have. I don't care what you know, low metabolism, you, whatever trigger word or snake oil that somebody's trying to sell, I don't care about that. You're not broken. You can accomplish what you want to do if you're consistent with it. And it's a lot easier to do than you really think. And, you know, if you interact with me, I promise you, I will give you 
at least one piece of piece of advice that you can take with you to implement right into your life so that you can, you know, have a better tomorrow. A little bit of a rant. But. No, that's solid. No, yeah, that was solid. <laughs> that was very well summarized. The, the one thing I, w- I want to say in closing as well is I love when you post things, it's not because we, well, you post has a very similar thought process to all of us here, honestly, in this conversation where it's not, as you said, the snake oil someone's trying to sell you. You're not broken. This is not what you need to fix. It's more about, okay, well, let's make it simple for you. Let's make it work for you, right? What, you know, if you said, if, if someone like, or if someone is living in the middle of the sticks or isn't quite in a city and going to a gym or membership, this isn't feasible, then as you said, you can do it at home. And, and, and like, again, if the meal prep service delivery wasn't an issue, was an issue because of where you live, just for example, cook from home. Like, and, and I think, as you said, it was just really that it, it, it is a lot simpler than what you think and not, I don't know. I just, I, I really resonate with what you post in, in saying, you know, this is the, this is the workout you should be doing. It's the one that's just moving well, right? It's not, this is what you need to do. Like the list of crunches is all right, just get moving. Why this tool, you talk about the kettlebells being effective. You just say it how it is. And it's important for people like yourself to, with the platform you have, I know you mentioned anything as well, but like the platform you have, they're just like, cause there's too many people posting bullshit whether it's booty pics or whatever it's like this is my hardest ab workout whatever you say how it should be right and more people need to hear that honestly that's what i want to say in closing thanks well i mean it's what i believe in right like we tell our client like if you believe in booty pics right if you think that that's really what motivates your clients and you know by all means you do you i'm sure you're successful like good for you right everybody has their own path for me right i again i want to instill in people things that really work right and that they can implement and just like we Something that I've come to really realize, you know, over the past year or so is because I've had problems with this in the past myself. Just like we ask our clients to be consistent with their diet and their workout routine, we need to be consistent with our messaging, right? So if I preach, if I want to preach that it's easier than it, than you think it is, then I better be mess. I better be conveying that message to people, right? That it's all about getting enough sleep, that it's about drinking water, that it's about going for walks, that it's about doing, you know, 30 minute workouts consistently. Cause that's better than, you know, doing our workouts inconsistently, hundred percent, you know, and over time you're going to be, you know, if you continue to do that and you continue, I don't care if you're helping one person right now and that one person turns into three and then three turns into six and six turns into 12. And you know, that's usually how it goes over time. You're going to create this or foster this community for yourself, right. Of people that come to you, you know, for quality advice. And, you know, once you, are able to really help people with the pain points that they're going through, right? Like really answer these problems that people are, are having in their lives. Then you're going to be able to, you know, continue helping more people because I can tell you, if you help one person and, and you can clearly and, and concisely help them come up with a solution to whatever problem they're going through, they're not the only person going through that problem, right? So just find more people with that problem and help them too. No, well said, man. Look, we really, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Uh, if there's appreciate any, oh, dude, of course. And I'm pretty convinced we'll have you on again soon, man. So again, I don't, I don't even tap into, you were in Puerto Rico for a little bit. I wanted to ask you about that. So yeah, I know in the future, yeah, I'll anytime. ask you some of that stuff, right? Anytime, man. Anytime you want to have me back on. You guys are awesome. Thank you, man. We'll definitely Thanks, have man. you on in the future. Pleasure. I want to, um, before we close out, if people who, you know, listening want to reach out to you, can you plug in the best places for them to reach out to you for? Yeah. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on the podcast. Number one, uh, like I said, it's been great being able to talk to you guys and, you know, go on these little mini rants. I, I, you know, it's <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. It's usually uh, me. I so <laughs> yeah. I don't know when, uh, when this episode is going to drop, but uh, I have my own podcast, a new podcast coming out called Josh Evans IRL. You can probably see the sign in the back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be launching January 31st. So if you want to, you know, hear me go on some more mini rants, feel free to, <laughs> you know, listen in on the podcast, subscribe to that. If you want to reach out to me personally, I'm the one that answers all my DMs. So you can find me on pretty much any social media platform, coach Josh Evans, uh, and YouTube Josh Evans IRL, obviously the name of the podcast. So reach out to me if you have any questions. Uh, if you want to check out any of the programs that I have or any of the free blog articles that I, I post, you can check out my website, coachjoshevans.com. Everything's on there. It's pretty simple to find me. Dude, thank you cool. so thank much, you. man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you guys.
been awesome talking with you. Thanks, you know, man. And, and anything you uh, you guys need from me, you just let me know. For sure, man. I'll, I'll be in touch for sure. We'll get you back on real mm. soon. This is awesome, man. Cool. Yeah, of course. All right, dude. Take care. We'll talk to you soon, bro. All right. Have a good one, guys. See you, man. Have a great weekend. Bye. Thank Thanks, you. Too. What a great conversation, man. That was cool. Yeah. yeah so yeah. many facts, That's right? Yeah. I, um, the other thing is like, there's so many things that I just wanted to run back by him, but yeah, you can't buy consistency. Um, and I think if you could, and you can sell that in a bottle, I mean, it'll be the, the snake oil situation. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So consistency, key. man. That's so key. It can be anything, you know? And like he said, those 30 minute workouts, that's actually something that I had to adopt like the little quick 30 minute ones. Cause I wasn't consistently hitting like my one hour workouts. And, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of this advice is just not only for clients, but it's also for trainers, it's for coaches, you know, it's for athletes. So, um, it's really spot on. It's good to see that his experience, like he's, he's got a lot of knowledge for the experience that he's had. So it's great. Yeah. I, I've been dying to, to, to pick his brain for a while, actually. And I, as I mentioned in closing, I think there's still a little bit there as well. I mean, he touched on the Miami and everything and I, I and he was just mentioning some of the guys he's, he's worked with who are, you know, in the NFL and stuff. I thought that was, but I thought that was very, uh, enlightening when he, you know, says he learned so much with training athletes that went on to be professionals and that, no, they're different to everyday people. Like, because what are you training for? And I thought that was really eye opening. Uh, refreshing stories of what I was looking for. So, yeah, it was, it was such a blast, man. All right, maybe we'll wrap this thing up. We'll wrap it up. Let's do it. All right, we'll check you guys out in the next episode. Thanks, guys, for listening in.